There isn't anything. Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. Too big or too ornery for you to catch. But that. But that. And don't. We don't. Bye. That. Yeah, but don't. You see me? No. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are finishing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the finale of season two of SpongeBob SquarePants, SpongeBob Sandy and the Worm, a very classic SpongeBob episode. And here we are, the second part of the 40th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. We, we finally made it, and here we are, to me, ladies and gentlemen, at the halfway point of the Steven Hillenburg era. And, and now there is three seasons and a movie, uh, but the movie itself is just such a monumental piece of SpongeBob history. There's so much to go over with that movie from the behind the scenes to what we actually have on screen that that's going to be almost an entire season itself. I'm not going to break down the movie, but uh, in my heart, I always have these these four pillars of Steven's original run on SpongeBob, the three seasons and the movie. So here we are at the end of season two. It's a pretty incredible time. And, and honestly, when this was airing on television, who would have known that things would have even gotten better with season three? A ton of shows don't have that same luck where every season is better than the last. Um, a lot of shows fall out during its sophomore season, which is here. Season two is known as the sophomore season. Uh, you you've may have heard this term in TV terminology, but the sophomore slump, usually a show puts all of its creative juices into that first season, and by the time they get around to a second one, it's like, okay, what do we do now? Uh, you can list a a countless amount of shows over the last few decades that had pretty good to incredible first seasons only to just drop off the face of the earth with their second season. It happens all the time, but here we are, second season of SpongeBob SquarePants, and, and by the end, I gotta say, it has completely over-eclipsed what we got in season one. Now, there are still very classic and good episodes of SpongeBob in season one, but I feel like Everything they did in season one, we got tenfold during season two. Uh, but before we talk about the end here, we, we gotta we gotta back up a little bit. We gotta get through this massive monster story, which is kind of a first here for the world of Bikini Bottom. We're not used to many creatures of the Alaskan bullworms size, and that is the creature that we're dealing with in this episode, the second half of the 40th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, Sandy, SpongeBob, and the Worm. This first premiered on October 12th, 2001, and it was written by Jay Lender, Dan Pavemeyer, and Meriwether Williams. Uh, we, we don't get many creatures like this in Bikini Bottom. I, the only time I can think of, of a massive creature threat of this level, I guess, would be the Flying Dutchman, but he's not really a, uh, a creature that's making the citizens of Bikini Bottom quell in their boots. They're not making them want to push their town from one position to another. He's just kind of this scary annoyance that everybody seemingly is okay with dealing with the Alaskan bullworm, on the other hand, is something that seemingly no one wants to deal with, nor no one should deal with. Uh, the, the episode opens up at night. We're at nighttime Bikini Bottom, very reminiscent of the time 
the nematodes came to town uh, during Home Sweet Pineapple and uh, and ravaged a bit of Bikini Bottom, including SpongeBob's home. Here is no different. The Alaskan bullworm is going through town and taking massive bites out of almost everything in its path, uh, including the rear end of a citizen of Bikini Bottom and all of SpongeBob's house. Um, pretty much just as bad as the nematodes, if not uh, worse, because I think the nematodes, hey, at least left a nice clean area for you to build upon your new pineapple home, whereas the Alaskan bullworm just wrecked everything, left a massive mess. Honestly, there's more of a cleanup now for SpongeBob than when the nematodes came through town. Uh, the next morning, we see pretty much every citizen of Bikini Bottom meet at the Krusty Krab. Uh, I, I like that instead of there being a town hall where everybody meets at like you would see in other cartoons, but it's like the Krusty Krab is the meeting spot for everybody. Everybody in town's like, all right, Town meeting, Krusty Krab, 10 a.m. Uh, we don't know what time it is. But either way, everybody at the Krusty Krab seems to have had something ruined by the Alaskan bullworm. We can see he's been taking bites at a wheelbarrows. We, we can see the gentleman who is still walking around with a massive bite mark out of his rear end. It's, it's really humorous that he's just kind of stuck in this position throughout this entire episode. Um, and even when they come back to it for a third time, comedy comes in threes. Remember that? Um, everybody is overly freaked out about this situation and when Spongebob reveals that he saw the creature and that it was an Alaskan bullworm everybody freaks out this is not some creature that you're just going to go and deal with um, it, it's it seems to be a well-known deal we don't know um, if the species of bullworm from Alaska are all this size and they're just known and there's multiple of them or that this is just one singular Alaskan bullworm that somehow made its way near Bikini Bottom. It's very interesting to to know that this is seemingly a usual issue for them, or at least on one other occasion. The fact that everybody is this freaked out over the Alaskan bullworm tells me that they've had to have had some sort of situation in the past, not even in Bikini Bottom, but somewhere underwater, Someplace dealt with the Alaskan bullworm and then let everybody else know of the dangers of this thing, of what's going on. How else would these people know what it is that they're looking at? How would SpongeBob know that it's an Alaskan bullworm? And and geez, Alaska, can we can we talk a second about your uh, your bullworms? Now, thanks to the encyclopedia SpongeBobia, they listed that the giant Gippsland earthworms are the closest to the Alaskan bullworm and looking these creatures up, my goodness, let me tell you, I am glad that these things are not in my backyard. Uh, if I could, <laughs> if I could give you like three places to guess where the giant Gippsland earthworm is from, I feel like most people would get it right in saying that they might think Australia is the home of this giant earthworm, and you'd be right. Australia is where this is from. Uh, it's one of Australia's 1,000 native earthworm species, and let me tell you, giant doesn't give this thing enough credit because when you think of an earthworm, you're thinking of something very small. This thing can at least, the average size is 3.3 feet in length. Um, and some can reach up to 9.8 feet. That's three meters in length. My goodness. Uh, I don't want those things anywhere near me, but uh, it sounds a bit like 
the Alaskan bullworm underwater, you got to remember the the citizens of Bikini Bottom are a bit smaller. So that worm being as huge to them, I mean, to us, it still would be a, a, a small creature, but it would be a massive worm either way. Um, now, it's Australia is nowhere near Alaska, but... Um, I, you know, I don't know what makes the, the citizens believe that it's from Alaska. What makes this worm from Alaska? I don't we, we don't really get that. It could just be an urban myth. It could have just gotten its name uh, from some situation in which someone saw this worm near snow. I have no idea. But that is the worm that we're dealing with. And after a nice little montage of seeing all the destruction the worm has gone through, we also get a montage of different ideas that could deal with the Alaskan bullworm in town. I do love that the elderly uh, fish brought up calling her nephew. Just the the usual um, the usual answer for someone who is a bit older calling their son, calling their grandson. They'll oh, they, they know how to do everything. They'll just come over and do it. Um, I like we get a nice little medieval reference with this knight asking to uh, build a moat. I mean that could be a good idea. I don't know how the Alaskan bullworm does with uh, with goo, but if they filled a moat up with goo around Bikini Bottom, it, it could keep away the Alaskan bullworm. It's an, at least an idea. Um, Patrick's idea, of course, is to push Bikini Bottom somewhere else. Now, um, the thought the thought of pushing a town is obviously silly, but what, what's silly to me, honestly, is the idea that um, pushing it somewhere else is going to solve the problem. The Alaskan bullworm, for all we know, could be a traveling situation. It's not a creature that sticks around for very long. It could just kind of come, cause mayhem, and then go. Pushing your town in a different direction just could lead to more destruction by the Alaskan bullworm, at least I feel. Uh, but of course, that's a, that's an idea that gets shot down as being one of the dumbest ideas possible. Uh, now, we, we get somebody flaunts the idea of somebody going after the worm. Mr. Krabs tells us that nobody would go after the Alaskan bullworm. Nobody insane would be able to go after the Alaskan bullworm. We get a nice gag at this moment where uh, a fish dressed as like... Uh, <laughs> the only thing I can connect it to is if you go to the supermarket and you look up Gordon Gordon's fish sticks, Gordon's fish sticks, Gordon, I guess, on the front of the box is wearing a, uh, a yellow slicker outfit that you would you would obviously want to wear in the rain if you're out in a boat and whatnot. Uh, so we, we get this fish dressed in this who also has a hook for her hand. Someone I think you would assume would go after the Alaskan bullworm, would be able to hunt it. Uh, when in fact they were only um, dragging their hook hand across the glass simply to get the attention of everyone so that they can ask to see, to see if there was a public bathroom available in the Krusty Krab. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice little gag, but right immediately after that fish is out of the way, Sandy comes into play. Sandy is here on a mission to get the Alaskan bullworm. And at first, before she reveals her intentions, she floats the idea of maybe getting paid for her services, which sends Mr. Krabs into such a flurry that he admits that he would rather have the worm come into the Krusty Krab and eat everybody in there alive than pay one cent towards the capture 
of the Alaskan bullworm, and he froths at the mouth, foam, uh, until it's revealed that Sandy actually isn't interested in money, and Mr. Krabs gets to live another day, gets to gets to calm down a little bit. Um, it, it's nice to see Mr. Krabs' greed on display like this once in a while when it gets to that level. As I've said in the past, Crazy Mr. Krabs is is one of my favorite parts of this show, so when when his manic comes out a little bit, I, I smile. Um, Sandy reveals that at some point during the night, the Alaskan bullworm ate her tail. Now, visually, for a lot of SpongeBob SquarePants up to this point, Sandy's tail wasn't actually implemented in her design when she was in her suit. The tail was inside of her suit, and it would just be uh, a completely flat back. And at some point, her design was changed to add her tail on the outside of her suit, which I gotta say is a nice design change. Um, it, it shows off that she's more of a squirrel than if you watched the show and already knew. If, if you weren't somebody who watched, you'd be able to see that design and know, okay, that's a squirrel that lives underwater. Uh, without the tail being there, I mean, if you, if you see her head, okay, you can see with the teeth that she's some sort of rodent, but it may not be overtly obvious that she is a squirrel. But anyway, uh, I, I don't know how the Alaskan bullworm got her tail, but um, I kind of want to know. Like, that that story, I feel like, is robbed from us. But either way, it's very personal motivation for Sandy to want to go after the Alaskan bullworm and get her tail back. Uh, SpongeBob, of course, is completely against this idea, while every other person in the room is completely fine with letting Sandy go out and deal with the Alaskan bullworm. Now, they do not seem confident in her abilities, as even though they cheer her off. The second Sandy is gone, I think everybody in the room is like, all right, like that's the last we saw of her. Let's move on. Uh, and, and they go right back to Patrick's idea which was pushing Bikini Bottom to another location. Um, we get a nice visual of this happening where Bikini Bottom is is more miniature and we see all the citizens on one side, all these little circles drawn, and, and Patrick commanding the charge of pushing Bikini Bottom. They The idea works. They start pushing it, which is really funny. Uh, but the rest of the episode is now following SpongeBob and Sandy on their way towards the Alaskan bullworm. For the next couple minutes, it literally is just SpongeBob doing everything he can to physically stop and or convince Sandy to not go after the Alaskan bullworm. Even though Sandy up to this point has been shown to be the strongest character in the show by a large margin uh but for some reason spongebob knows that that even with her immense strength and her abilities her karate there is just no way that she's going to be able to handle the alaskan bullworm um we go through a plethora of different gags and, and methods that spongebob is using to to stop sandy one of my favorites in which he uses a squirrel mask uh, one that we've actually seen from a previous episode uh, it was an episode in Karate Choppers when Sandy picks up that that squirrel mask. SpongeBob's wearing it with a cowboy hat, pretending to be Sandy's father. 
Which what what makes this funnier is the fact that even right after SpongeBob is done trying, Sandy immediately turns that down, going, "You ain't my pa." Gets me every time. It's just it's it's really funny that he put in all that effort of the mask, and she just no sells it completely. Keeps on walking. Uh, now eventually they do make it to the cave of the Alaskan bullworm. And at this point, Sandy's confidence on taking on the bullworm is through the roof. She's already shown that during her time in Texas, she was able to hogtie both bulls and worms and that just doing them together saves rope, which I, I guess is true. I mean, I've never hogtied bulls or worms, but I guess if there was a bullworm, I guess it would save rope just to do them both together. Um now, we watch Sandy go into the cave. SpongeBob is clearly still very concerned about Sandy going after the bullworm, but we don't really get to see a lot of Sandy dealing with the bullworm. We get to hear it happening, but we don't get to see much. Uh, Sandy is apparently taking the worm to the ropes. Uh, she is able to keep up with this worm and beat it up to the point that they exit the cave with Sandy riding atop the worm and knotting it up with a big old knot in the middle of its belly. Uh, during this time, Sandy was even able to get her tail back and has it reattached in a very humorous way. I like how it's just kind of put together, and I wonder if Sandy has anything else she would do at home to get that on more, or if it's just going to be like that, and, and that's how it is for the rest of the series, <laughs> canonically. Um, but we get the revelation that this this decent-sized worm that, that Sandy has defeated was not, in fact, the Alaskan bullworm, but the tongue of the Alaskan bullworm. The camera then zooms out to reveal that it wasn't even a cave that Sandy was going into. It was, in fact, the Alaskan bullworm's mouth that she went into, and that the Alaskan bullworm itself is uh, ten times bigger than the so-called worm that Sandy just dealt with. Uh, it's it's a very humorous visual of this worm sitting so stoically in the ground with its mouth agape because it's got its bottom half of its jaw in the sand. Um, Sandy's reaction, though, is also just as funny, where now seeing the size of this thing, Sandy is finally kind of in perspective on where she stands in this battle that she's entered with the Alaskan bullworm. Uh, she gets it. She doesn't have the power to take on a creature of this size, and SpongeBob and her immediately book it seemingly towards Bikini Bottom. Now, this is one of the best chase sequences we've ever gotten out of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, the Alaskan bullworm is no joke and is charging at these two full steam ahead pretty much like a train. Um, during this time, SpongeBob gets Sandy to admit that she was completely wrong over her not believing SpongeBob and her not being able to handle the Alaskan bullworm, her not being tough enough. SpongeBob threatens to trip Sandy during this chase sequence if she doesn't just admit that she was wrong. He wants to hear it out of her, even though she's like, no, later, I'll do it later. Let's get out of this. SpongeBob is not waiting a second. He needs to hear that he was right. Through this chase sequence, though, we get uh, back to our our fish with the hiney problems who seemingly can't get away from this Alaskan bullworm chowing down on his rear end. And we get the second chomp of the episode on this guy's butt. Uh, 
he of course is just you know he seems so used to maybe life biting him in the butt that he, his his response is just not again uh i you know when you're at that level when it just becomes more of a normality it's it's a bit sadder than when it happens the first time uh, now, during this sequence as well, we go back to a gag that was used earlier when SpongeBob handed over Sandy's uh, tail because seemingly it, Sandy only wants her tail back. She really is as personal as this is. It's not like if her tail was left behind or was able to be found somewhere else in, in Bikini Bottom that she wouldn't go after the Alaskan bullworm. She wouldn't have a need to. She only wants her tail, and and SpongeBob offered her her tail. I guess he had it this whole time, and when he pulled it out, it was a paperclip and a string. A paperclip and string that actually comes back into play during this chase sequence, because when Sandy asks for it back this time, she's able to save themselves from the Alaskan bullworm, basically using the uh, the string as a lasso, using the paperclip kind of as a hook to hook onto a tree so that they can swing themselves up and onto the Alaskan bullworm safely uh, from within its path because the Alaskan bullworm seemingly is such a force of nature is such a steam train that it doesn't stop and just careens itself off of a cliff in one of the funniest visual gags in SpongeBob history to me the face of the Alaskan bullworm in this moment when it is going up to the cliff and then just falling off it's its face of acceptance um, I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just like, it's a face that like, when you know you're in danger and you can't stop yourself and you're just, you're just accepting like, all right, this is going to happen. Uh, like when you're a kid and, and maybe you're, you're jumping off of the swings, you know, in that moment when you're in the air, you can't, you know, change course. No, no, you're going down towards the ground. And I just feel like I probably had that face at one point in my life, just like the Alaskan bullworm. Uh, the, the end of this episode shows us that the citizens of Bikini Bottom were able to move the town safely from its previous location to its new location, which also happens to be where the Alaskan bullworm is landing, and the entire worm just squishes the town of Bikini Bottom and pronounces an ouch before we cut to black. Uh, this is an absolutely wonderful way to end the season, in my opinion, because we just get this big Tremors-level situation in Bikini Bottom. And not only do we get, you know, little references to Tremors, but we also get references to Jaws. We can reference monster movies. And and this is a wonderfully big, epic adventure for them to end the season on. It isn't a, a story where it's very condensed. It's, it's going outside of the comfort levels of Bikini Bottom. And every time they've done that thus far, it has led to a very excellent episode. So uh, kudos to the writers here. This is definitely... Uh, another one for the books, another home run, and and here we are at the end of season two. Uh, just a bit of reflection while we're here. Look at all of the wonderful episodes we have thus far. If SpongeBob SquarePants would have ended at this point in time, uh, if there wasn't a season three, and, and maybe for some reason the, the ratings weren't as strong and, and season two is just going to be the end of SpongeBob SquarePants, this leaves behind... A very well-made, well-directed, well-animated show that has smart comedy that can attract both a young and older audience. I mean, watching these episodes again, 
there's so many reasons that I can understand why this show has lasted as long as it has. There's just something about it that feels timeless. Uh, it, it's maybe one day I'll be able to to find the words to fully express that thought, but there's just something special about this show. And and if this is all we had of it. Uh, I, I mean, it was almost impossible for this to not be a hit with the praise I just gave it. But uh, to just look at this on its own and say, all right, like, how does this stack up in the world of television animation? You, you find me another second season of an animated show that is anywhere near the quality of SpongeBob SquarePants, especially where it already started with season one. There, there's very few. It is a rare breed of, of cartoon that could reach this level. Um, but we're not done with season two entirely. Next week, I'm going to have the season two rankings. I'm going to, just like with season one, sit through and rank all of the season two episodes from my absolute favorite to my least favorite. And let me just say, and I'll say this a lot during that, whatever episode is at the bottom of that list is still a top tier SpongeBob SquarePants episode. Uh, the week after that, we're not going to be setting sail on, on season three just yet. We're going to take a bit of a detour with our next SpongeBob SquarePants video game, Super Sponge, released for the PlayStation 1 and Game Boy Advanced. Uh, that came out during this fall time of season two of SpongeBob SquarePants, but the, uh, the episode release order of season two is so much bouncing around that there was it was kind of hard to find where Super Sponge um, was going to fit, but I, I felt it was nice to have it as, as a nice season two kind of end gift before we start with season three, just so I can actually at least have a few extra weeks of preparation. Um, I, I want to do some some special things during season three. But that is this week for the Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and I appreciate you for coming aboard and listening to this week's episode. As always, if you like any of the content I'm putting out, any ways that you can help me grow this ship is appreciated, and I hope you all are staying safe. We will see you here next week with our Season 2 rankings, and I hope all you goofy goobers out there take care of yourselves, keep safe, love each other, be there for one another, Keep your imagination strong, and we'll see you here next week. He'll never get out of there! We saved the town! Yay! Let's go tell everybody! Push! Push! Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod. 
You can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. <laughs>